This is Terry Dodson, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us we have the Hunter of Time, Curtis. I found it. We have the Hunter of the Bush, Barry. Hello. We have with us the hunter of the garage sale, Steve. That's great. Curtis found it on his watch, and Barry already had it with him. <laughs> I don't. I don't get the references. Is it the bush? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we have the hunter of coupons, Rob. I, I hunt the deal. It's a coupon. <laughs> All right, well, that's your deal, Hunter. <clears throat> and thanks for listening. Rob. <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks for listening. You yeah, can shut it off. That's a, don't, don't do that. Uh, <clears throat> but you should follow us on Facebook. That would be super helpful. Follow us on Facebook and like us. Be our friends. Yeah, you don't have to really like us, just... Yeah, you don't actually like. We only have to like us as much as you do anybody else on Facebook. (laughs) That's everybody. (laughs) Right about that. Yeah, just click us as a friend. We're helping you to help us. To help help you. That's pretty good. We can quit paying him as much as we do because he stays too long. (laughs) So who pays him? (laughs) I thought you did. No. (laughs) Oh well, that explains a lot. Ah, so uh, today we're going to be doing uh, all new Wolverine number one. Pacific Rim, the the breach, no, <laughs> tells from the drift. There we go. Uh, Earth Two Society number six. That Pacific Rim is number one. Earth by the Two way. Society number six. Yeah. Well, it is number six, right? It is number six. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Zen, Intergalactic Ninja. No, Galactic Warrior. Intergalactic Ninja. Intergalactic Ninja number one. And uh, Claws number one. From Boom Comics. This is today we're doing episode number uh, 67. Is it? Yes. (laughs) All right. Oh my god. Um, We don't have Ross with the dog pile with us today. Do we have any uh, comic book news? No news. No news? There's been a little bit of TV news and a little bit of movie, blah, blah, blah. I guess there's been pictures leaked of Benedict Cumberbatch and his Doctor Strange look. most oh, really? of them obscure his face, though, so, like, they're not great for what they're supposed to be. Uh, word is we could get some more Roy Harper um, in the uh, Arrow show, probably two more episodes away, at least cameo style, which is good times. Open cameo style. Oh, oh, no, no. <laughs> you gotta put the glasses on and dance with it. I feel like there was something else that was, like, a, a big, big deal that happened the other day. Yeah. Well, Jessica Jones, uh, a.k.a., is supposed to release tonight? I believe Tomorrow? Uh, Friday night. Friday night, so the... Last Friday night. Eighth? I think that's a song. What is today? Uh, Friday. I'm trying to make it so if they listen to it in the future, it'll be like, yeah. Oh, right, right. Friday. Yeah, on Friday. Yes. <laughs> now you know. You know, he's half the battle. Any Friday that you... G.I. <laughs> Joe. Friday... That's another song. Oh. Yeah, same thing. Uh, well, okay, we well, uh, down on Friday. New news-wise, I guess that's, that's all we got. Nothing else impressive. We well, talk about Marvel's doing its big relaunch right now. But I don't know well, if it's really news. That's yeah, kind of. I mean, we had a whole bunch of number ones for Marvel, but I guess that's I guess that's it for that, really. <laughs> all right, anything more to combat watch? No, now it's no, over. There is, there's going to be. Four new DLC characters that they are going to be rolling out soon. Do we have any idea who they are? Not yet. Uh, that's unfortunate. I haven't been as diligent now that it's out. Good job. But they're, but they're coming. Four new. Fallout 4 news? No? Mm. Fallout 4 is fantastic. We have a bit of a blackout on it, but um, it's a great game. If you are coming from Fallout 3, there is some big changes that you may or may not like. But overall, I think it's a great game. I don't know. I guess a lot of the things that people were worried about was the voice acting for it. I think it works really well. 
Is your character, are you still a courier in that? No. Oh, wait, no, that was, God dang That's it. New Vegas. That was New Vegas. Damn yeah. it. You're, you're, of course, a new, a new character. Um, the, the name that they've given him is the Soul Survivor. Of some vault, obviously. Yeah, well, you're, you're Vault 111. Right. But uh, is it like uh, in Fallout 3, you were the Lone Wanderer. In New Vegas, you're the Courier. In this one, you are the Soul Survivor. Hmm. And, of course, you can play a male or female character. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of elements that are different, and I know there's a lot of people that were worried about the graphic level. It is, as far as I'm concerned, fantastic. It really plays out well. Sweet, good to know. Apparently, your uh, pet dog can wear hats, and so can the Mr. Handy. Mr. Uh, Handy can wear hats. Mr. Handy can wear yeah. hats. Yeah, uh, dog meat can actually wear specific pieces of uh, of clothing and stuff. I have seen armor. Huh. Well, there you go. That's nifty. You don't want to protect your dog? I, I'm not saying that. If he um, could wear sunglasses. It sounds like that. you weren't happy about this. No, it's it's fine. When you say nifty, I always think, he's making fun of something. Oh, <laughs> there, there is one thing. If you're, you're Obviously, you must be listening to this. You're a comic book fan. I haven't gotten to play through it yet, but I've been told that there is a very comic book-related submission in there somewhere. So... Well, in the Fallout 3, they had Grognak the Barbarian. Yes. We still have Grognak. It, it's more like the Canterbury Commons mission in Fallout 3. Okay. So there's something like that. Cool. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, well, let's move into books, I guess, because there's not anything else to really kick it off. Oh, there, I do want to give a shout-out for Dave Crossland. He's going to be doing the A cover for Invader Zim number 8. So that should be freaking That's a awesome. Comic book? Invader Zim? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a TV show. Well, it was. It's also got a comic book following it. You didn't know that? Who's putting that out? Uh, Oni Press. Oni. Yeah. Invader Zim, since Joe Vesquez, some guy did a Johnny Homicide Maniac. Also, a big shout out to Dan Scotty. Oh, yeah, Dan Scotty. Dan Scotty. We got to hang out with him in Vegas last weekend. Was it last weekend? Two yeah. Two weekends ago. Two weekends ago. No, it was last weekend. Wow. No, it was two weekends ago. Was it? I worked last weekend. Oh, okay. So, so two, we- two weekends ago. <laughs> <clears throat> two At weekends the Vegas ago. Valley Comic Fest. Right. Bum, bum, bum. Not only is he a nice guy, but his name is fun to say. Dan Scotty. That's true. How did he say it to us? It's like Scotty with some stank on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. And for those who don't know, he's doing the art for The Spirit. Yes, awesome from book. From Dynamite Comics. Mm-hmm. Is it Dynamite? Yep. Yeah. So he's, uh, and Matt Wagner was there too, the writer for that. Yep. And he's a cool dude too, so. Support him. He's a, he's a good he's a good guy, and he knows what he's talking about, and he likes where he comes from or where comic books come from, and he knows the past history of it. If you get a chance, talk to him. He's a good dude. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Uh, we're hoping to see him in Denver again this next year. At least tentatively, that's what he was talking about. So yeah, we'll I, see if that happens. Yeah, I asked him if he was going, and he said if they bring me, that would be the best. Right. Well, so now we got to get it Denver. Right. Right. Be awesome. We'll throw away. we we'll throw around that muscle. We'll, spam, we'll spam their page. <laughs> Nobody reads that. Dan Scotty. Dan Scotty. Dan Scotty. <laughs> They're like, I don't I understand what this is supposed to be. Oh, hey, Dan. <laughs> he appeared. See, like, three times. Like Beetlejuice. All right. Yeah, you're weird. I know. <laughs> All right. I'm just like saying his name. No, it's, it's I, I think you have to be looking in the mirror with the blood of a goat on your face for that to work. What does it have to be a goat? I think that's something different going on. How do we get goat blood? How, well, you get it from goat. I guess we're just I spent too much time on the internet. <laughs> true statement. I guess you can find anything on the internet. That's true. Hey! Dan <laughs> Scotty. Joke about that in the movie we did once. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> All right, so we'll go ahead and start with, uh, man, functioning... <laughs> I'll do Wolverine number one. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Oh, God. This is from Marvel Comics. It's going to seem discombobulated to people there because things got weird. Uh, we got our, our writer is uh, Tom Taylor, and our artists are David Lopez and David Navarro. Yeah. That, or Navarrot, Navarro. It's probably French. I'm guessing it's French. That's a good question. Anyway, this book this book's fi- features uh, X-23, uh, Laura from, uh, well, X-23 and other mutant books, and takes place mostly in France. When it opens up, we're basically around the Eiffel Tower, and uh, 
there's a whole crowd of people, and we've got Laura running through the rain, and she's screaming at a couple guys uh, who are dressed like security guards. And then the next thing you know, uh, somebody opens fire from the tower down on the crowd. In the process, she winds up saving the guy who was the, the intentional target after taking out both the bodyguards who had no clue what was going on. Uh, from there, she puts him into a safe car that with his vehicle, sends him on his way, and tries to figure out where the shooter is when she gets shot in the head. Well, for those of you who don't know, X-23 is very Wolverine-ish because she's Wolverine. Clone. She's, she's a clone uh, mixed with another... She's peach tree dish grown. Uh, so she has Wolverine, it's a super healing, claws, uh, two claws on each hand, claw on the foot. So she gets shot in the head, and we get this nifty flashback to uh, Wolverine and her during the uh, X-Force days, when they were running around as a Black Ops X-Force. She's recovering from an explosion that's happened, and the two of them having a conversation that's really pretty cool, and she said something about being able to kill the guy that had originally blown, them, blown, blown her up, and she elected not to. And she's like, I'm real sorry I didn't pull the trigger. And he's like, Wolverine tells her, no, it's all right. That's an easy thing to do is to kill him. The hard thing to do is not to kill him. I kill a lot of people. Which is really kind of awesome. And that goes on for, I don't know, a couple pages of, like, it's like a flashback, but what it really is is more of a dream sequence. And then all of a sudden she wakes up on the ground in the rain. And everyone around her freaks out because this girl just woke up from being shot in the face, pretty much. From there, she starts talking on a headset to uh, whoever she's working with, which we haven't been revealed that as of yet. But the next page, like probably eight pages in, we get the uh, first reveal of her in the full Wolverine costume. And it's the classic Wolverine yellow and blue, just done up for X-23. So that's pretty cool. It's a cool reveal. So she chases after the person that was shooting. Winds up having an encounter on the tower. Uh, fights this ninja-looking person with a ninja mask. It's a, it's a pretty decent fight. She breaks the person's arm and really is whooping him. And uh, the other, she's talking to him, telling him that you can stop. You don't have to do anymore. Like you've you've already failed. And the person's the person tells him, "I can't." He tells him, "We can't feel any pain. We're not going to feel pain ever again. You should be helping us." And then calls in a, a drone strike on the car that the guy drove off in. At which point, uh, she throws herself off the top of the Eiffel Tower, and then X. Tells the person she's been talking to on the headset that she's gonna go and, and she that they need she needs them there in a count of three, and she counts to three and jumps off the edge herself, swan dive style. And that's when we get a reveal of of the uh, archangel or just angel at this time because it's it's uh, him from the all new X Men, so the sixteen seventeen year old archangel from the past is currently in the present. And he swoops in with his new neon wings, which are kind of awesome. Uh, winds up saving her, and then they go after the car. There's a few other things happening between A and B, and they play up a little bit of a, I don't know, what might be a romance between the two of them, I guess, maybe. And then we, uh, we get, of course, the chase sequence. She takes out the drone. There's a little bit of healing stuff that happens again because of another explosion. And then, uh, we move forward to try to go back after the other assassin, the one that jumped off the first place. And that particular assassin's on the ground dead, and of course surrounded by people. Then the real clinch happens, which is where we're going to leave for the mystery of the book, I guess. It's really pretty interesting, and it sets the tone for what's going to be happening for the next probably ten issues of the book, I guess. If I was going to say arc-wise, it's going to be probably ten issue run for this particular storyline. Pretty awesome. I mean, the art's really good. As far as the setup story, like I was surprised by the ending, uh, just because it's a pretty clinch kind of thing. And it lends to the idea of uh, more stuff having gone on when she was a kid than we even know about now. And there's a bunch of origin stuff for her out there, but where this leads from is really kind of awesome. Uh, Score-wise, I, I would give it a, a four. I mean, it's pretty strong. The writing's really is pretty decent. The reveal for the costume is awesome, so the way they do it is pretty. It's pretty pretty epic. Uh, but yeah, I give it a four. Uh, Mr. Rob. I actually, I really enjoyed it as well. You know, I'm not usually a real big Wolverine fan, but there was a point where I really liked where they did re when they revealed the costume, and she basically says like, "I want them to know the Wolverine's coming for them," which I thought was free and super <clears throat> cool. But yeah, I really enjoy the book. I think it's going to be great, so I'll give it a four as well. Mr. Curtis, my favorite part of the book is when you said encounter on the tower. 
<laughs> no, I, I like the character of, uh, of Laura. Always have. Uh, she's got some demons, and uh, hopefully she's clearing some of them out. I'll give it probably a three and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm not too keen on the whole title, but uh, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Mr. Barry? I'm going to give it a four. That's why I, I like, like the idea. I've it's never just... been a, a huge X-Men fan, though. No, like, this... he, like X-23, I, I'm, I think it's just a rip-off of Wolverine. And I've never been a Wolverine fan anyway, so. Yeah, all right. It's takeable, I guess. You should, you should like it with a knife in their hands. You are a knife guy. I have nice... It's all right. You can admit it. It's all right. It's not something like to be ashamed it. of. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's move on to uh, Pacific Rim, Tales from the Drift. Number one, Rob, you want to tell us a story about kaiju and robots? Robots? Jaegers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it's... <laughs> Don't drink them. You'll wake up hungover. There you go. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but good job. All right. Jaegermeister is an alcoholic beverage. That's true. Moving on. <laughs> All right, well, now that I messed that up. robot. <laughs> <laughs> It's disgusting. Actually, Actually, I have two two writers for this. We have Trevor Beecham or Travis Beecham, sorry, and Joshua Volkovs. Volkov. Mm. Uh, one doing story, one doing the writing. So. Volkov. Uh, I'm sorry. Volkov. Volkov. Okay. And then uh, it's illustrated by Marcus Mars. Across Mars. So. I don't think I've really seen this artist very much, but works really well for the story. So it's a it's a Jaeger. Jaeger. Okay. So we're introduced to a new rate Jaeger that I think is called Ronin. Ooh. And it's fighting a different it's it's not fighting a kaiju that I think we saw in the movie. And I believe this is gonna be before the events of uh Pacific Rim. They give us dates, so if you're a huge Pacific Rim fan, you might know this is K Day 1086 in the year 2016 <laughs> on January the 21st in Tokyo Bay. So I, I'm sure it falls before the film. They're actually they're facing off against this Jaeger and they're not doing super great. And what we kind of find out is that they have kind of a almost a combative relationship. The two pilots. As we go into the story, we also find out that they're married. So they go into the depths of who the characters are, and we have. You know, one of them that's kind of a gung-ho military officer and another that's a researcher. And so before they were even any a Jaeger, they were working on uh, kaiju and kaiju defenses. And so we kind of get a little bit of their backstory as they're trying to battle this uh, kaiju. As the story progresses, we see kind of why, you know, we see that being a part of the drift, being in... A Jaeger does not necessarily mean that you're that you're immune, and there's a lot of bad things that can happen as they go. And so, as the system fails while they're fighting the kaiju, it makes for a lot of drama. And it's a very well drawn uh, piece of work, and it's a, they make a very interesting character setup for it. So, a lot of what, of course, happens at the end, we got to kind of leave as a mystery. But like, if you if you enjoyed the film, this is actually a really cool other part of. Of the conflict, right? And I think in this, during the battle, they have some similar problems that they had in the movie. I mean, at one point, they have a reactor leak, and that causes problems. And so there's different things going on inside the cockpit, outside just the battle itself. And like the backstory for the the husband wife combo is is interesting the way they set them up. But yeah, you get all that in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as setup, I mean, art's good. Uh, what they're trying to find out at the very beginning. Uh, during the flashbacks, they talk about the first time anybody's ever recorded the appearance of a kaiju. Yeah, breach. And that's a pretty important thing to the whole system. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Story-wise, I guess that's all I get to add, Rob. Score, book, go. <laughs> um, I give it uh, I give it a three and a half. It, it's really well done. It's not retelling the film. It's not just embellishing certain elements that you already saw. So, it kind of helps to build the whole world of Pacific Rim. So... All right. Uh, that it does add another aspect to it. So you're not rehashing. Right. 
Um, I wonder how far this is going to go. I want to say it's only five, five or six part miniseries. I mean, in the whole story. Oh, as far as you time? Know, yeah. yeah, I don't know that. That's a good question. I wonder if it's going to traverse into the movie or if this is after the movie, which I'm not certain. If it's going to bridge between Pacific Rim and number two. Because the segment's coming out eventually, right? That's um, what we understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll give it a three and a half. Okay. I like giant robots and monsters. Usually not the same book, but this one works. <laughs> so. Take that, Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, Mega Godzilla was terrible. Hey! Aww. They look the same, though. Sort of. Yeah. Mary? I'm going to sound like a, a cynic. I don't I don't like this book either. No? I don't. I didn't like Pacific Rim at all. Really? I, no, I don't like... I don't like the idea that it takes two people to control one robot. I think it's dumb. It's the duality of humanity, Barry. You don't... Which you, you have don't. none. Don't no. quote Full Metal Jacket to me, my friend. That wasn't Full Metal Jacket. Which one is it? I don't know. Keep talking. Oh. <laughs> it might be. I it think sounded it's... pretty Full Metal-y. Yeah, because he has a peace sign in the... We love the you kid. long time. That's... Is that one better? <laughs> well, that one's clearly from that and a bunch of other stuff, too. And super racist. And my ex-girlfriend. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And my wife. Oh. Yeah. No. Well, no. It's, I guess that's good, now. It's still, it's still kind of funny, but don't. Yeah, okay. So, Barry, uh, score for the book? No? Uh, two. Two? All right. You like so, the art, right? Yeah. Okay. That's a good job. I like uh, Phil Cobb. I like his writing. Okay. And uh, Travis. What was his name? Beecham. Beecham. Uh, he wrote Killapalooza, so... I'm on board. And okay. I believe he was writing some, if I'm not mistaken, Terry McGinnis stuff. For oh, he might have. I don't remember that. DC. <laughs> was not a huge fan of Killer Blue, so, but it's me. Sorry, sorry I sound like such a... No, you're good, man. No, sick. we're used to it. Yeah. I, no, I really, I just, uh, I didn't like Pacific Rim at all. Sorry, I thought it was a nice. dumb idea right. to, make a book, to make a movie out. I was going to make a movie guy something when he wants. Sorry, I don't, that has nothing to do with anything. Uh, you know, I give it a three also. Um, as far as art setups, the art's good. The battle sequences are pretty good. I mean, all the interior cockpit stuff was pretty interesting. <laughs> so, I know, I know, right? I can't, I can't help but say words that make you giggle. Uh, so yeah, I give it a three. Uh, if you, if you like Pacific Rim, I think you'd like it. I like, I give it a three too. Yeah. yeah. So, there's that, I guess. Uh, let's move on to Zen Intergalactic Ninja. Number one? Zan Intergalactic Ninja from Devil's Due and First Comics. Hey. Written by Steve Stearns and drawn by Merritt Michaels. Good stuff. Mustafa Moussa finishes Sean Forney colors, Dexter Weeks lettering, and Ken Levin editor. Um, Zen has had kind of a tumultuous, I guess, past or uh, publishing run. Started with Eternity, I believe, back in the 80s, went to First Comics. Uh, Bill Moss did some work with him on Avatar, I believe, with his uh, Cyber Angels. Oh, man, I don't remember much of the Avatar stuff. I do remember a lot of the first. That's most of the stuff I remember from it. Right. Uh, I read a lot when I was younger, and I forgot everything about it. But I remember um, I got a painting by Bill Moss. I got a painting by Bill Moss that actually shows him in his teapot. And it's about a, 12, a 9 by 10. No, God dang. Nine by six. Yeah. Hardboard, Strathmore board. That's cool. So I got that way back in the day when I was collecting art. So I'm, I, I I like the idea of Zen. I just don't know a lot about Zen. Right. So those who don't know, Zen's a big blue bounty hunter from the planet Ohm. O M. And we kind of uh, we meet him, and it's set up right now that he's like a bounty hunter, mercenary for hire, and he's bringing in one of his uh, catches to the magistrate's office, and they say, dead or alive this time, and he says half and half. So that kind of sets up that he's a badass, and he's got a staff that he can shoot uh, some uh, uh, lasers out of. So he exits the office. Before before he exits, he tells them, you know, you can arrest all half the people in this burg and save you a lot of time and money. Right, well, he's talking about the planet, and right. he's like, why don't you, if you arrest all the population, it'd save you a lot of money. Right. And the guy behind the desk just laughs, like, laughs off like a joke. And, yeah. But he said, I can go out for another score right away, or I can get some R&R. And as he's leaving, he gets met by these two brothers who are the brothers of the guy that he just turned in. A little fight ensues, and he takes him down, but he doesn't kill him, and he says, yeah, they'll survive their wounds. 
So Zen's got this thing called a T-Pod, which is kind of like a telekinesis pod, and he can travel in it to his ship. It's like he, a yellow bubble, the way, yeah. the way it's depicted, yeah. And he does this, and he gets to a ship, and we meet his robot servant um, that he doesn't really care for, but he does. He kind of just doesn't listen to it and then tells it what to do, and it'll do it for him. So he asks him for some tea, and then it says, Mendicky tea? So, he, and he turns his back on him. So it's it's just like, uh, kind of like Jarvis, it kind of feels, but a little less like Jarvis. Yeah, I think the relationship between him and the robot is more... If Jar- Jarvis was constantly giving Tony Stark advice, and Tony just well, he ignores it anyway. So it's, it's kind of the same. Right. I mean, as far as the setup's concerned, except that Jarvis is a a voice in a head, whereas this is an actual physical robot, like a butler. Yeah. So they travel to this place called the Bar at the End of the Universe, which is his favorite bar. Actual name, yes. Right. It's his favorite bar, and it's at the end of the universe. So we get a little exposition there. Uh, where he's talking about his uh, his origin, that he may have been created, he may have been birthed, but as a baby he was sent in a teapot, and he crash-landed on a planet with some purple-robed people. Monks, yeah. And they taught him the art of self-defense, which is where he gets his intergalactic ninja thing. Uh, he reaches the age of adulthood. They christen him Zen, and they take him to his ship. So that's where he gets a ship. That's where we kind of get the basis of who Zen is. It's a quick snapshot of his character and his development. Yeah, it's like a quick origin story in the middle. So he's talking at the bar. This green-skinned uh, lady walks in, and this alien's trying to pick up on her. And she says uh, she defends herself with a gun. And uh, the guy that Zen's talking to is like, hey, I like this girl. Can I get your name? And she's like, I'm not here to see you. I'm here to find somebody else. And it's Zen that she's looking for. Zen kind of looks like Deadpool, but blue. Yeah, he really does. So, oh, wow. yeah. I think that's kind of maybe the basis of Deadpool. Because he's a ninja. Well, Deadpool's really Deathstroke. But as far as the look in the face, it's got a similar look. But he's got a... Uh, Visor, a breathing apparatus, kind of like a, a visor over his face yeah. that is kind of like Star Lord's, and it goes good. away and comes back and goes away and comes back. Anyway, uh, I don't know if that's for concealment purposes, but he's got big green eyes too, so he kind of looks like an alien. So he's talking with this lady. Um, she decides, "Hey, I want to talk to you in private." The guy says, "Good luck, Chuck." Uh, they go to her limo, and Zen's like, "I don't usually like getting in confined spaces before I check him out." Her limo driver starts taking off, and he stops the limo driver, and she's like, ooh, I like this guy. So she has a reason for talking to him. And she's looking for this guy that had like a 10,000, 10 million credit bond for doing some bad stuff to ladies. So she's trying to find this dude, and she wants this dude brought back to her alive. And Zen's like, I don't know if I want to do this. And she gives him a $500,000 credit down payment to do it. So that kind of kicks him into high gear. He goes back up to his ship, talking with uh, uh, his robot servant dude, and the guy finds the guy's been missed. Uh, the guy he's looking for has been off the grid for two years. So the robot guy says, "Yeah, a dude that matches this description was on this planet Salam. I think that's how you say Salam. Think so Salam." So he's like, okay, we can go there. And then the robot's like, well, be careful about all the good-looking good ladies down there. We don't want you getting in trouble. So they travel to this planet. He gets in his teapot, goes down on the planet, and that's kind of where we leave off with the first issue. Um, Merritt Michaels is the artist. Uh, he's been around for a long time, done a lot of stuff for Avatar. Uh, Dragon Slayer, I believe. I'm correct. Yeah, I don't remember that. But he, he's done a lot of covers. He's done a lot of art. He's a good artist. Uh, yeah, I like it. Um, it's not that much action, but it sets up who he is, where he come from, and what he's doing. Right. So it's a good it's a good first issue, but it doesn't just it doesn't grab like a lot of first issues can. Um, I don't know a lot of stuff from Stephen Stearns, but I know a lot more stuff about Merritt Michaels. So that all in and of itself. Uh, and the history of Zen is kind of convoluted in some places. I'd probably give her a. I want to give it more than a three, but I'll go. I'll probably go three and a half. I I enjoy it because I enjoy the character, and I enjoy 
uh, all the aliens in it, and it's not a terrestrial sci-fi book. It's more of a space-faring sci-fi book. So, and he's a he's a bounty hunter. Right. So you got that too, and mercenary for hire, whatever he wants to do. That's it. Intergalactic badass. Yeah, and that's right. what they called him. They do. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Barry, I like it. Uh, sounds kind of like a uh, like a a different universe from Star Lord, but Star Lord being an alien type thing. Kind of yeah. Flash bounty hunter, like an alternate reality. If, from if he worked Star- on his own. Yeah. Like Star-Lord, uh, Deadpool, and Boba Fett all rolled into one. Right. That's kind of how it feels. I feel like if the book picks up a little bit more and has more action, I think I'd be... I'd give it a better rating. I like action stuff. Right. What would you rate it now? I would give it a three. All right. Um, you know, I, like you said earlier, the, the Zen's history is kind of convoluted. At this point, the way they set this book up, I think, is good for simply because it gives you an origin story without it being just an origin story. Because they do the flashbacks with him with the monks. They do the flashback about his almost Superman-esque birth story. Right. And it gives it to you in a way that is not the, the very beginning hook. And it says a hook at the end for what the next part of the adventure is. So as far as the way the book's written, I get why it's not as exciting as it was. I think the fight in the middle is simply to give you a little bit of fight. I think it's a setup for a new audience. Right. I think it is, too. So all those old people that have read it don't need to know anything about it. Right. If you've, if you've read Zen before, then the history story is kind of a, a waste of your time, maybe. But if you, as far as, like, re-pitching or restarting a book, I, I think they did a good job with that. It'll be interesting to see where they try to go with it. Um, as far as the... The color palette's pretty. The color palette's kind of eighties, a little bit. It pops. But the color, but they're bright. They're bright. They're, they're poppy colors. They are. I mean, Zen's whole look is from that time frame anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I don't ever remember him having a mouth before, but I can't say that I read enough to know that. It was the Deadpool mouth, right? It was, it was like that's a what mask. I thought. Yeah. So this one, he's got the opening, the the visor that opens, which right. is a little different from, from me. From what I remember, right? Could change. So it wasn't bad. Um, there's a lot of narrative in it. It's not, uh, it's not that bad. No, it's not. Because I'm the one that complains about words all the time. I know, I know. I guess I give it a, I give it a three also. <laughs> I guess. I'm interested to see where the next one goes, but as far as like a setup, if you know a lot about Zen, it might feel like a rehash to you. If you don't, then it's a good place to start. And the story isn't. It's not weak. No, it wasn't weak. You could have thrown out a weak story for Zen, which happened a lot. Well, he's he's from the early days of first because comics, I, for, man. I forget, you know, I forgot right. a lot of that because it didn't stick with me. Right. This one, I think, the second issue is going to kick off. Well, where they leave it at seems very much like it's, <clears throat> that's where we're going. Uh, Mr. Rob, and I'd also give it a three. Like I've had a, a little bit of contact with Zim. Or I'm sorry, not Zim. Dear God, Zim. With Zim. Yeah, it took me a minute. I. Yeah. I have a little bit of contact with Zen before. I don't know. It worked for this story, but it, it did feel like it was kind of a dated story. And some of that, I guess, maybe origin story stuff. I think it was drawn to. Yeah, it's possible. But it's a pretty cool little story, so you know, definitely worth checking out. And like you said, I think the second issue is going to be where it really kicks into high gear right. and, and winds up being. We'll actually get to see the, what the story is going to be like better by two. Did you give a score? Yeah, I said a three. I missed it, sorry. No, it's okay. And I will mention a little side note. It doesn't smell like a comic book. <laughs> Not that that matters to anybody, but reading it, I was but like... It's, it's magazine-y, the way it's... The it smells like a magazine, not a comic book. I know it's it's weird. I about cussed. <laughs> sorry. I don't think that makes... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's move on to Earth 2... Society number six. Yes. Well, DC Comics, Rob, you want to tell us a story about DC? Uh, I do. Um, this is going to be written by Daniel H. Wilson, and the art is by Allison Barrios, which is fantastic. I really haven't seen this artist very much, but I love the way that they took in the book. I, I think he did some stuff on uh, Titans, the prior Titans before the New Fifty Two. It's possible. I. I really didn't recognize him from that, but that doesn't mean anything. Right. So, um, we haven't checked in with Earth 2 in a long while, and so I'm not going to try to give, like, everything up to now, but one of the big things you got to know for Earth 2 Society 2 is that 
Earth 2's whole planet was destroyed. There was only a handful, well, probably, I guess, handful globally of people that actually survived. They were given a new world after the events of um, Convergence. Convergence. On that new world, all of the surviving ships basically crashed and then were broken down and reassigned to actually make new cities. So we have like a Neo-Gotham and a Neo-Metropolis and then Midwest City and, you know, all this other stuff. And so the world is kind of starting to be recultivated, but it's not where it was before. We don't have the big Shining World stage to play in. Like all the all the cities and Metropolis being what it was, yeah, it's a lot smaller setup simply because of the rebuilding from what was wreckage of the ships. Mm-hmm. So you don't have entire planet of civilization. You have pockets of civilization. Civilization. The other part is, even though this Earth is much like the Earth that they came from, it is still alien in a lot of ways. Bruce Wayne actually left behind a codex that would rebuild whatever <clears throat> world they went to to make it like the, the original Earth. And a lot of the story has basically been revolving around how to activate the codex how to reform this world, should we reform this world. And actually, there's a little portion of it that has been reformed, and in doing so, it had kind of monstrous results. And so people have been worried about, like, well, is it better to just leave the Earth as it is, or should we change it? Now, there's a lot of different players that exist in Earth 2, but one of the ones that's going to be really important for this story is actually Jimmy Olsen, who wound up becoming one with a mother box. And in doing so... He's been able to access, basically, molecules and change them into whatever he'd like. So he's kind of gone from, you know, in, in their world, a kind of uh, slacker hacker to becoming almost like a god. And in fact, he set himself up in many places as a god. Since issue one, we've been chasing down some mysterious thefts, and the story's being told both in flashback and in about one year after the crashes. Well, the big events that we have in here is uh, we find out that there's a new villain in town who's working with Anarchy and Johnny Sorrows. Anarchy, in this case, is uh, a female who is... She's been causing civil unrest and stealing things all over the place, but nobody's really been able to find her identity. Uh, Johnny Sorrows kind of came out of nowhere, but much like the original Johnny Sorrows, anyone who sees his face is almost driven to insanity. They also introduce in this series... A brand new Hour Man. Now, Hour Man is unique in this that uh, our previous Batman was Thomas Wayne, who had evidently stolen the Marlowe formula from the original creator, who would have been Golden Age uh, Hour Man. Hour Man, yeah. Uh, Rick Taylor, the the son, the second Hour Man, winds up in this book stealing the formula back from the uh, the basically like shrine of that Batman, because, yeah, we've actually burned through two Batmans already in Earth 2. And he becomes the new Hour Man, also working with this new set of uh, supervillains. The other interesting thing for this is that this world has two suns. Oh, regular yellow sun and a red sun. So both Power Girl and the Earth 2 Superman are not necessarily as powerful as they once had been. So they're kind of more sidelined than not. As we go through the story, we basically get a reveal that this new villain who's leading the Hour Man, Johnny Sorrows, Anarchy, actually is Jimmy Olsen, who's now calling himself Doctor Impossible. And he's stole the Kotex and is going to rewrite this whole planet to make it more like the Earth that they left. And he's actually got uh, at least the Huntress to go along with him. But the way that the story has, has gone out and the way that it's being told is just pretty incredible. And honestly, it's a, it's a book for the New 52 that I don't think is getting a lot of attention. And it probably should, because it's really stretching beyond what I've ever expected from it. And every time that they come to these characters and they, they change something, it doesn't feel like they're just changing it so that it's Earth 2 it kind of feels like they've just taken these characters and really ran with them and changed them completely from where they once were. And although, in a way, that's kind of bad, because, you know, we all remember the Golden Age Flash and Green Lantern and would rather them be that way, but at least they've become very unique characters on their own. And I think they're, like, blazing a new path that actually works well. Oh, and Batman is 
actually paralyzed um, Dick Grayson, like in a mechanical suit. So freaking crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty. They've done a great job, you know. And I mean, it's the same book that killed the Trinity in the first issue, that is now you know building off of a you know destroyed planet. So I mean, like, it yeah, it's really well done. I'd give him. Um, shoot, I'm gonna give it a four. Because I just, it's, it's been blowing my expectations away. So, and I was really happy to see the Hour Man get, get a place in the new 52. So, all right. The uh, Curtis? No opinion. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Hour Man seems a lot darker now. Yes. Not, that's not a joke either. So. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, they definitely, both literally and character wise. Right. Because they, they went with a very dark palette as mm-hmm. well. But yeah, his his whole thing is he's kind of bent on revenge. He thinks that um, Bruce Wayne's father stole the Marlowe serum from his dad. And that his dad wouldn't have died in the crisis that, that followed had Thomas not done that. And Thomas is not a very good person. Like, as Batman goes, he was probably the most skeevy Batman that I've ever encountered. Mm. But yeah, he, he definitely takes a darker hue. But his, he's much stronger as well, because he's also fighting off a lot of the characters from Earth 2. To, to me, the whole storyline seems stronger than in the actual DC. And I think more people should probably pay attention to that. I, it would be it'd be great if they do. Um, I think the big benefit they got is that there's only one title in there, mm-hmm. so you don't have to worry about big planet-changing things. Which would change eventually. It's possible, or to I, hopefully it will. Hopefully, people will will come there too and be like, "Oh, I'm really interested in this." So I'd probably give it three. It's something that I I feel like I could get immersed in more so than the mainstream DC titles. So I give it a three, though, mm-hmm. just for lack of knowledge of source material. And well, I mean, this is technically the second chapter of the series, so. Right. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Barry? agree with Curtis. That lack of knowledge. I like the Earth 2 concept. Mm-hmm. You could, something about like alternate realities and alternate universes to me is interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that they really haven't been focusing on characters that we already know. Because there's so many characters in DC, it's cool to yeah. see them pick up characters that we haven't seen yet. And, and like with the Earth 2 concept like it opens up a huge new like infinite possibilities of different things that can go wrong that the heroes have to have to save the, the people from like well yeah or may not be accepted in mainstream right yeah. like well like in the very the first volume the first issue of the first volume back when it was just Earth two they kill batman superman and wonder woman in the first book right there's a little bit of a spoiler if you didn't read any of the first series. There's some fallout. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't do that in other books. Screw you, listeners. Right. <laughs> what you get? It's probably, three years old. Three years stop old. Stop yelling at me. Like, they probably got that from our, our earlier podcast, because I think we did actually do Earth 2, like, either issue 1 or 2. Probably. If you're, if you're what do you call that, when you're a repeat listener? A valued <laughs> follower? Pantheon? V-I-F? I don't know what that means. Very, Very important, important follower. Hey, there you go. Then maybe you heard that episode before. Good. Okay, Barry Scorebook. <laughs> That's a three. Okay, cool. Mr. Curtis. Okay, so then it's my turn then. Okay, uh, so, <laughs> man, things get discombobulated and everybody gets confused. No, you're the one that's supposed to be keeping this. I write and I can't yeah. figure out what's going on. It's a real problem. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, Johnny Sorrow, I like seeing again. I think it's the first time we've seen any of him in New 52. Uh, don't see all of them, hopefully. Well, you know, it's supposed to make you crazy if you do. Well, that would be a different book, <laughs> rated-wise, probably. Not teen plus. Uh, book-wise, the art's really good, like Rob said. I mean, it's pretty fantastic art. Uh, as far as story setup is concerned, it's a good story. I like how at least something got affected by Convergence. I mean, there have been a couple things in the regular universe, but this oh. book is completely affected by it. So without so, Convergence's events, this wouldn't be happening in this book. So, um, yeah, I give it three and a half. I mean, it's it's got cool looks to the characters. I like the idea of of multiple Batmans and having it been a, a lineage. 
So, I'll give you Thomas. I, I thought he was a badass, but he was pretty skeevy. Yeah, no, he was he was a badass. I just, yeah, I just remembered the artist. Oh yeah, Wicked West. Oh hey, there you go. All right, that okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I give it a three and a half. I mean, it is a pretty strong book. Uh, being that you can read it as a standalone is really pretty cool, considering you don't have to follow anything else to be okay with it. Because you can pick it up at, at issue one from the Society and just move forward. Yeah. So, does it issue one does it cover a lot of the back? It pretty much gives you everything that you need to start Earth Two Society. There is a few things that, if you haven't been reading Earth Two, might be stumbling blocks. But actually, this story, since it's being told both in the in like the year after landfall, and in in the past when they first got to the planet, they're actually shedding a lot of light on different characters. So like the Earth Earth Two Superman had some pretty interesting history that you get as you read the series through. So like I think issue four or five actually gives you sort of his origin if you hadn't been reading the book before, and you you kind of pick up a lot of the other stuff as you go. So for the most part, I think you could actually start in Earth Two Society. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Claws, number one, uh, from Boom Comics. Mister Barry, you want to tell us a story about Claws? Sure. All right. So it's written by uh, Grant Morrison, Ooh. and it's illustrated by Dan Mora. Yeah. So I'll give you the Grant can be a take or leave. So far, I say this is a take. Go on, Barry. Sorry. Well, I like it. Um, it 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 almost has like an old English feel, like a a, a Viking medieval old English all mixed into one. So we start, and it's this dude walking through the snow, and he's jacked, just shredded. And so that's uh, what we've missed from the show. That's true. He uh, so he's. On his way into a town that he hasn't been to for a long time. Unbeknownst to him, the town has changed a lot uh, while he was gone. So he walks in and everybody's just kind of moping around and there's a bunch of guards everywhere. And he, he sees his old tavern somewhere he used to drink a lot. And he walks in and the guy asks him what he wants and... He get he he asks for a beer or an air, an ale and he he starts complaining about how watered down it is and the guy's like well we don't like outsiders here. <laughs> pretty much yeah it's pretty much what it is. I mean he's greeted at the gate the gates the guy the guards at the gate are like what are you doing here like why are you here at all yeah. wild man yeah. like oh I got stuff to sell pelts and you know trading and stuff they're like okay come inside. It's yep. it's very like it's it's kind of unsettling a little bit. It, it's it's weird. It's it's like a uh, not. It's hard to explain. I, uh, I'm trying to think of it. It it's different. Like everybody's infected with something, but like right. <laughs> you just don't know what to do. It's weird. Like there's a zombie virus, some something like that. Anyway, he's in the bar. He's asked to leave, and these uh, guards come in, and they're like, "Get out of here, wild man." And they, they start harassing him, and he comes outside, and this little kid's picking up a rock. And the guards are like, hey, put that down. It's not a toy. Every toy in the in the, in the the city belongs to Baron. They start saying, like, how everything in the city is Baron. It's Baron's. It's Baron's. Everything is his. And uh, they end up, like, beating the boy, so this jack dude... I don't think we got a name yet, did we? It's Claus. His name is Claus. <laughs> he he starts like swinging on these guys, and they end up getting in the upper hand. So they, and they kick him out, and they uh, bet on him. They're like, uh, I don't think he's gonna get to the wood line. I don't think he's gonna survive for long. Well, the the whole time it's like it's crazy winter too. Yeah, like the reason they're they're like he won't ever make it to the tree line because they sent him out. Basically, took all of his armor, took his his pelt, took his sled. Like, sent him out in the wilderness tied up uh, during a complete snowstorm. And then they decide to go hunt him. And that's when he calls the dog, or the the wolf. The wolf. And he ends up, he messes, he uh, kills kills all the guards. <laughs> I'm looking at it, and that's what happens. It is. Uh, 
So anyway, we cut to a castle scene, and it's this little kid. He's like stomping on this table full of, of like houses. It's like a, a miniature thing. And he's like throwing a fit because nothing is good enough for him. And I guess a servant walks up to him, and he's like, you know, what's wrong, sir? What can I do to help you? And that's Baron. That's, that's the kid. And he's like this spoiled little brat. And he's always talking about how stuff isn't good enough for him. Yeah, he's a jerk. Yeah, he, he's he's dressed all in black. He's he's a little jerk. Yeah. Who's that? Who's a king kid off of a uh... Joffrey? Joffrey. He's yeah, like he a runs. king Joffrey. Very much so. Yes. Except more hateable because he. Everybody in his kingdom is starving. He's throwing away food because he thinks it's gross. Right. So, Claus kills this big elk and he's uh, cooking it for him and his dog. And they're out in the woods in his cabin. And he's like, man, I feel so bad for these kids. They can't have any toys. Because he doesn't know Baron is is such a stingy little brat that he's taking everything from all the kids. Right. So... He's cooking up his soup, uh, stuff like that, talking to his dog, and these, like, ghost alien-looking things come out with some some music, and it gets really wild and funky. I think what's happening, like, he, he makes a stew, and he tells the dog the stew's not for the dog. Yeah, it has and healing he's powers. Like, yeah, he has, he has healing magic powers. And hallucinating powers. And hallucinating powers. And so he tells the dog to go and eat his bones because he doesn't want him to have the, the the i guess mushroom soup maybe <laughs> anyway horchata like, right and so like like you said like he starts he eats it and he starts playing his flute and that's when we see the weird like spirit things that look kind of like aliens yeah kinda. it's it's, it's, it's kind of crazy so it goes from a very mute palette to a wild and crazy yeah the crazy colors are crazy yeah like a lot of grays and, and, and black and whites, and, and then it just goes to this, like, psychedelic trip that Claus is having. It's like 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. Except less annoying. <laughs> so he ends up waking up the next morning after his, his uh... Trip. <laughs> trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's a bunch of, like, toys around him, and he's asking himself, like, what I do last night? There's all these child's toys. And uh, the last thing he says is, what am I supposed to do now? And he's looking at uh, a bunch of toys and a big red sack. So it's kind of like a... It is the prequel or the the origin story to, to Santa Claus. Weird. And it's violent. Yeah, it's, it's sold in a very like kind of violent way. How, where does it... It goes from ultra-violent to Santa Claus. Where does the second one go? I, I'm, I'm gonna go fluffy I, ponies. And... Not exactly sure, man. I think he's gonna kill uh, Baron. I think, I think Baron is the reason why this clause has his his naughty list, and I think the Santa Claus that we all know and love now is is um, a a more mainstream, acceptable version of of uh, the writer of this. His idea of Santa Claus. Right. What'd you have for a score, Barry? Give it a three and a half. Awesome. That's all, all it takes. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, you know, I, I would give it a four. It was pretty strong. I mean, the art's really, really good, Mitt. Oh, yeah. Really good. Awesome. Um, as far as stories are concerned, I mean, yeah, it's a Santa Claus story. And the way the way the thing flows in there, it really does, when it gets to the whole soup trip thing, it entire color palette swap but before that i mean he have him living off the land feeding his aunt feeding his wolf uh taking care of himself and then the city is just barren of men like all the guys we find out finding out the reason that there's no men in town is because they all work in the mine for barren so the city's full of like what's left of the kids and then a few people running businesses and they're all just t- treated terribly by the guards so, like, as far as it forming the story of the idea of Santa Claus, it, that's pretty close. That's pretty much what, it, what it's going to be. I mean, that's what the story is. But as far as the first issue, it was pretty good. I, I mean, art definitely sells me really hard on it because it's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I give it a four. Uh, Rob? 
I'm pretty much following with the 3.5. I thought it was a pretty darn good story. And, yeah, it gets gruesomely bloody there for a little bit. And yeah. then it carries on to, you know, oh, hey, why did I make all these toys for him? I mean, a, a wolf is ripping a dude's throat out. You don't get that talking about Santa Claus now. No, not really. That's the problem nowadays. The Santa Claus doesn't rip enough throats out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe he'll be a little bit, you know, one part Santa Claus, one part Krampus. I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to see... Sylvester Stallone as Santa Claus. When he rips <laughs> that guy's throat out in Rambo. Oh, my God, man. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, man. Well, and for forgetting about him wrestling the elk, awesome. <clears throat> the elk looks demonic, too. That, man. I mean, that, that brings me to think, like, when on the cover he's carrying a rain, like a big deer. Right. I wonder if he's going to make, like, get some magic powers to make his deer fly, the reindeer fly. It's hard to say. Probably take some of that damn soup. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just all a, a dream that he had from eating the soup. Yeah, you never know. We're only one issue in, so it's hard to say. It's a six-part miniseries, so we've got five more issues to get to an end of it, which I imagine will probably span at some time. Probably, it's hard to say. Uh, Curtis, dude, living off the land with a wolf is awesome. <laughs> right, uh, I could do it. I mean, it's a strong book, and I hate to say it up until the Santa Claus part. It just lost me, and I don't care where the story goes from there. Oh, come on, man. I'm serious. The weird trip in the woods? It just didn't do anything for me. I have a feeling that the next issue is going to kick a lot more. But up till that point, it was probably a four-star book. I'm going to give it a three for the art. Because Grant did that happy book, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, that crap was weird. Well, happy is crazy. I know. It's uh... And I hope this doesn't devolve into that. I don't think it will, just because of the basis of the character. Well, I imagine we'll see some more, there's going to be some more darkness, no doubt, because it's Grant. But I don't think we'll have the same amount of, uh, same level of vulgarity that comes from Happy. I mean, Happy's got the whimsical side of it, too, but it deals with a very dark situation. Yeah, but it's imagination. I don't think this is, I don't don't think it's going to be the kind of book that's like, and they all lived happily ever after. I think They they rarely are from Grant Morrison. True. Yeah, I think it's going to be like, and then I ripped Baron's head off and shoved <laughs> it on a pole and stuck it outside the kingdom. Now these are my elves. And we're going to make Holy toys. Holy crap, you're making a lot of sense and it's scary. Right? Well, there's a point where Baron's talking about wanting little people to do his bidding. That's weird. Yeah. I don't like listening to Barry when he's making <laughs> sense. Actually, yeah, I forgot about that. Right? Baron's like, I want little people to do my bidding. Maybe they try and invent little people or make little people. I wonder... If this is the North Pole, ancient North Pole, prior to him taking over. Maybe. Hmm. I'll give it a three and a half. <laughs> All right. Damn it. <laughs> See, now I want to read it. <laughs> God, I quit. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's do some uh, books to watch. Uh, can't Rob? Watch books, they're not TV. Well, books to watch for, to pick up, you follow, you know. Okay, so Earth 2 Society, I was reminded how great that book really is. Um, there's going to be the crossover with Batman and the Ninja Turtles coming out here soon, which I'm thinking that's going to be really good. Birthright has been fantastic, even though I keep calling it the wrong name most of the day. Um, what can you call it? I, I was calling it Rebirth. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> which, there's a lot of other titles that use that name, and so it was very confusing to people. Um, Oh, uh, Harley Quinn's Black Book is going to be coming out here pretty soon. It should be really cool. All right. Uh, Curtis? Uh, None of those books Rob mentioned. It's not... uh, not Just out of spite for Rob. It's like all the time. Watch out for the spirit. Um, Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. is... First issue was okay. I think the second issue is going to be good. Um, Zen, obviously. Because I think the second issue is going to be good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Ex Mortis from 451 Press or Media or whatever. Uh, that's it. Okay. <clears throat> the Shadow. Invincible. Deadly Class. There you go. Black science. All right. Colder. Does it say Barry anything to watch? Colder. Okay. 
What Dark Horse Comics. What about Claws? Yeah, I watch out for things. Cut. Yes. <laughs> it's alright. I edit out half the show, so it's fine. <laughs> I said I dropped the f bomb earlier. Oh, you should leave in that you're going to edit out half the show. That's, that's the way. That part I'll leave in, so the people <clears throat> don't have any clue. We got taken out. Mm-hmm. So colder and claws. All right. Um, crossed. Always got to read some cross. Oh God. <clears throat> You just man. don't watch, don't read Cross. It's an awful book, awful, <laughs> inhumane. No, you just, know, everybody's got to enjoy what they like, what they enjoy. So if you enjoy Crest, having sex with severed arms is not enjoyable. No, I like it because I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You have to See? all that out. No, that's fine. <laughs> oh, we 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 must have skipped Mary. I'm sorry, <laughs> Mary. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, just pieces. Just pieces. So if it doesn't sound right, it's probably because it wasn't how it came out. You're just going to splice throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I much. like claws. <laughs> cut, cut and paste words. It's like one of those things where Obama's singing songs. Yeah, it's pretty much the same idea. I like claws. Yeah. I like claws. There, you can use it. <laughs> All right. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, I, it's not being solicited yet, but I know we're going to have a book coming out for Marvel with uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Oh, yeah. uh, being done by Mr. Sanford Green. Yeah, He's been awesome. posting random pictures of that on his Facebook page, which yeah, I'm he, super happy about. He redesigned them, didn't he? They got a little bit of look, yeah. different look to them. I mean, it's not... No, and I'm good with that. It's not It's not out traditional. I mean, as far as looks concerned, I mean, you still tell who they are. It's not like they're completely different. Yeah, uh, Iron Fist looks a little shaggy from right. Scooby-Doo, but, you know, other than that... We're He's good. got a little scruff going on. Yeah. It's all right. Dude, he doesn't look all weak so. and skinny. That's not. That's going to be my next commission. Can you do Shaggy as Iron Fist? <laughs> I've been doing a whole book about that. <laughs> and Fred as Luke Cage. Oh, I was going to go straight Scooby Doo as Luke Cage. No. No. Okay. <laughs> You're both bad. Man. Well, was that so Iron Fist can say, "What's up, dog?" He can have the. Hey. <laughs> I just want to see Scooby in the tiara. That's, that's weird. That's what that is weird. He's not wearing the tiara in the book, right? No, not anymore. But the commission, he can. Oh, okay. Tiara on the chain belt. Classic Luke, you're a bad, bad person. It's going to be Misty Knight. Velma? Velma. Velma. Velma, Velma, Velma. Wait. Well, unless Velma is Valkyrie, and then we we have... Uh, the lesbian? No. Do the defenders? Daphne be Misty Knight, because she's all sassy. Yeah. I there you go. That. Who's, who's what would the mystery machine be called? The Shaggy uh, Wagon? <laughs> I don't think, no. Or the Shaggy Wagon. <laughs> Fistmobile. Oh, Whoa. God. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, that's enough of that. Don't bend over it. <laughs> well, it's true. Man. Uh, anyway, I would look for that book because it's going to be awesome. We probably won't see it. Which one? The Iron Man Power Fist. Oh, not the, the one we're making up right Fist. now? No. Dang it, man. I, I don't know what the title is going to be. I assume it's going to be Power Man and Iron Fist. Probably. Um, At least it's not going to be Power Fist. It could be that too, I guess. <laughs> I think that's a different character, though. I think. Sounds anime-ish. Not that's a bad thing. That's true. Oh, yeah. This is another team-up book. Huh. Uh, they're going to do Deadpool Spider-Man. Oh, right. Deadpool Spider-Man. Should be awesome. That'd Anybody be cool. read Web Warriors? I haven't uh, got to no. yet. Is that oh, like yeah. an anthology book? No, no. idea. No, it's uh, it's it's all new content stuff. Is it, um, no, is it in, is there different stories in it? No, it yeah, one it's, it's one story. Um, evidently, most of the characters from Spider Verse somehow actually wound up shuffling out into the same reality, and so we're we're keeping Spider Man India, Spider Man Britain, Spider Ham, and uh, Spider Man Noir. Is that in? Marvel proper, or is that its own thing? It's not. It seems to be in its own universe. And I don't even think it's in Spider-Gwen's universe, even though she's a part of that story. It's like there's 52 universes. In Marvel... I think that's DC. Oh, my bad. (laughs) In in Marvel, there can be unlimited universes. Earth-616. Earth-666. Yeah, that was a crazy cool. Earth, by the way. Oh, oh my god, that gosh. was a cool Earth. Yeah, yeah. vampires, Thor and is the mummy. And, yep. I don't. Cap Wolf. I don't think they'll ever go back to that. They should. Yeah. <laughs> Although Captain, the Sam Wilson Captain America, as much as I still, you know, would rather him be just Falcon. That's a hell of a book. Oh man. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of actually really good Marvel out there. Uh, the Extreme X-Men has actually been fantastic as well. Extreme yeah. X-Men's awesome, yeah. yeah. The new one? Yeah, Extreme, It's yeah. been great. Yeah, I've been very We're happy. We're in the second it. issue, and it's it's good. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a fun book. I like it. Um, as far as other books, uh, gosh, I felt like I had a couple other ones, but... Sorry. Tokyo Ghost is good. Um, Paper Girls is good. Uh, and there's a bunch of other ones that are good, too, but I don't... In my head, I can't remember anything else I was going to suggest. That's all I got. I'm done. <laughs> anything else? No. What's your superhero name? Uh, Black Computer, according to what you showed me. Mine is Black Phone. Blue Curtis. <laughs> Why so sad? I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go with black chair. <laughs> so, I like that. Well, you'd be, you be gray chair. No, you'd be gray chair. Gray box. Or I could be gray Steve. I mean, one of the two. <laughs> Fear the wrath of gray Steve. That's both the winners. So right now, in your wherever you're listening to this at, the color of your shirt and whatever's to your right is what your superhero name is. So play that game. It's fun times. And leave it in the comment section below. Hey, that's a good idea. Yeah. Put it on the Facebook page. That'd be fantastic. I hate to be in an adult store. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> if that's where you're listening to us, <laughs> you might keep it to yourself. Pink KY. But at the same time, that'd be the funniest ones. <laughs> All right. Or in Walmart, depending where you're shopping at. Hey. The Black Rack. <laughs> See, that would be a good one, though. Black Rack, that's awesome. Man, that's good. Well, it's better than black phone. That's true. That or in a strip club. If you're listening to a podcast in a strip club, though, I guess you're kind of... probably speaking. shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Unless you're working there, in that case... Unless you're playing her over the PA, then thank hey, you. Hey, thank yes. All right. Thank you. <laughs> you, you girls dance. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the opposite effect of what they're going for. <laughs> right. Well, you know. yeah, maybe. All right, I think that's probably not. Plus, one more thing, I guess, actually. In in the comments below, if you have a hero or villain that you've never seen them, you have no idea who they are, put them in the comment below, and I will try to find out information about them so that we can explain this to you. Because there's a lot of characters out there that people are just unfamiliar with. They don't know who to ask, so they should ask us. Take that, Internet. Yeah, stupid Google. I guess you have to leave it on the Facebook page. So, hey, we'll see if the comments are there or not. All right, well, thanks, guys. Um, Taki? Taki! That was a quick fall. Taki! Taki! All right, thanks, guys. Taki! Get the hell out of the store. close. You go home. Rut row. Get off my lawn! Yes.